Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa, and we're reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time. We're looking at the book of Isaiah. We took a little bit of a detour to look at another psalm. It was nice to kind of break up these oracles against the nations. That's what we're in the middle of. We're in chapter 17 now, looking at the oracle against Damascus. And this should sound maybe a little bit familiar because the first, as we saw, the first chunk of Isaiah is just all about this this crisis because there's an alliance going on between Damascus and Samaria against Judah and Jerusalem. So these are the guys, the figures we looked at. It was um, you know, Reason and Pika. It's all about these guys all over again. So this is kind of familiar territory here. Uh, but we haven't had it quite like this. This is kind of aimed more directly at Damascus here, at the capital of Syria. Um, you've got some interesting metaphors talking about how they're going to be shaken um, like an olive tree or like a fruit tree. It, it's It sounds a little bit different from some of the stuff we've seen before when it talks about Syria, um, but we are going to see some overlap too. So we're going to kind of get into this. Next time we'll look at Cush, which is one we haven't looked at, but this is kind of bringing us back to, oh, okay, okay, yeah, this is this is what this is about. And joining us today, we have one of our familiar faces for joining us over the phone. We've got Pastor John Lukumski, <laughs> pastor in Southern Illinois. Are you? You're you're no, you're still in Minnesota, right? Yeah, yeah, we're still in Minnesota, and I'm just kind of chuckling because you you know you and AJ, we have never seen each other's faces. <laughs> yeah, I know it's an you're ironic metaphor, right? right? And I'm up here in the in the. Uh, the cold uh, of, of the north. Uh, by the way, this is my last episode with you from Minnesota. The next time that uh, we talk, AJ, we will be back in, in the beautiful climate of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, John's <laughs> heading south. John's so, heading south. Fantastic. Yep, yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, yeah, no, familiar face. It, it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's an ironic metaphor, but um, there's actually yeah. an ironic metaphor in this chapter as well because... There is this metaphor of the glory of Israel or the glory oh, yeah. of Jacob, and I and I think what, what um, that's that? being yeah. used a little bit ironically here. It's it's not glorious and maybe necessarily the way we usually think about it. Um, so it's it's always it's always interesting when when the word glory comes up. We've we've seen this before already, you know. And Isaiah, when when the word glory comes up, it's uh it's kind of often a bad thing, isn't it? That's that's right, and and that I and there's two ways I've read two ways of interpreting, it, but I would go with the same way you're going. That this is kind of an irony when he talks about the glory of Israel and the glory of uh, of Jacob. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So yeah, there, there's um you know there's there's a little bit a little bit of nuance in the prophets. You know, when you're reading it, it's not just this kind of straight like ho hum doldrum sort of thing. There's there's some irony. You know, maybe something that even ventures. Uh, onto the proximity of a sneer at times. We saw like a taunt a few chapters ago. Well, do you, don't you think that's kind of with, with uh, God in, in, in the story of creation where he says, oh, now they've become like us. <laughs> mm. Remember that line? Right. And, and, you know, that was what the devil said. Oh, you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. I, I think that's kind of a, a, an ironic statement too. Oh, yeah, man, they're really like us. They're all going to die now. <laughs> what are we mm-hmm. going to do? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, the Bible no. does. It does. And I think, don't you think some of Jesus' parables have a little bit of irony in them as well? You have to kind of. Oh, certainly. Uh, right. Our yeah, Our yeah. Lord was a yeah. was a fan of hyperbole. 
and irony oh, yeah. and yeah. uh yeah definitely a few a few things like that so i like to say you know um the lord jesus he used hyperbole all the time so yes that's kind of a little bit of irony again okay we'll we'll stop me from making any more dad jokes and we'll just get into this then so would you say a prayer for us brother john as we get into yeah. this chapter 17 everybody for for us and everybody listening Oh, Lord, uh, this is one of those chapters where we really need extra help. I guess, really, we probably need extra help anytime we open your scripture. Uh, but we're going to hear an oracle, and, and our gut reaction might be, well, thank God we're not Damascus. Uh, but we pray by the Holy Spirit that we will open our ears and hear that this text is talking to us. It's talking about what we're doing right now in our lives at this very moment. And may we find in this text then both a warning and may we find in this text, O Lord, also the great comfort that you always want to give us when you speak your word to us. So for that, for that gift, O Lord, to see, to hear the gospel, even in your words of judgment, uh, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, brother. Well, let's go ahead. Um, let, let's remember what, what was 16 about. That was the second half of the oracle against Moab. So we just had this oracle against Moab. And we were talking about that, how, you know, by all looks of it, it, it seems to be like Moab is just also, as the Assyrians are come, coming, you know, sweeping down the mountains from the north kind of thing, they're just wiping out everybody, including Moab. And what, what's interesting we saw was that, you know, the, the God is expressing a lot of sympathy towards Moab, and also Judah is kind of put in a privileged position of being able to play host to the Moabite refugees, so in that chapter, things are looking kind of good in a sense for for Judah, for Jerusalem, because, you know, they're going to stand and they're going to be the ones who get to take in the refugee because they're doing all right. Um, but this time th there will be mention of the Israelites again in connection to Damascus, but it's just not so positive, right? No, no, no. Um, I, I was just noting as I was looking at the dictionary here that, that Oracle kind of has that sense. It, it is, again, a proclamation, obviously, but it also is the Hebrew word for burden. So it is a proclamation that maybe you don't really want to give, but it's what God has given you to share with people. So, Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we, we, talk, we talked about that last time, that it is, it is the same root as something that you like have to have to bear, have to have to carry, yeah. right, at the shoulder. Now, there is something something to that. There's a few different words for oracle, but this is the one that we have with these oracles against the nations. But, okay, well, just, just kind of reminding us about the context here. So let's go ahead and, and read. Well, and, and AJ, AJ, as long yes. as you, well, go ahead and read. Could you read just that first sentence? And I just want to make a comment. Just that first okay. sentence. Yeah, for just verse one, one there. Okay. Yeah, go, actually, not even verse one, just that first sentence of verse one. Just the title, An Oracle Concerning Damascus. That's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you got left for thing us? At the top. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I just <laughs> think we, we need to remember that he's not writing this to, to Damascus. He's writing this to the people of Judah. Okay. Mm. Now, 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 what he's saying is a blind on Damascus, and it will all come true. And we'll talk about that as we look at these verses. But I think we need to remember the audience is the people in Judah. And, and, yeah. and the reason I bring that up is because I, I don't live in Damascus. Where, where do you live, AJ? Where do you live? 
in South Orange County. Okay, well, come on, give me the name of a city. Where's the city you live in? Oh, uh, it's it's kind of an interesting name for a city. No one knows about it if you're outside of California. It's called Lake Forest. Okay, I don't know about that. <laughs> <Either. laughs> it's, like I said, it's, it's just right. south of Irvine, and in our circles, we, we kind of know Irvine a little bit because of, uh, you know, CUI, but, yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's the thing that's just south of Irvine, right? Well, so my, my point is, if I, if I talk, talk, talk about Northfield, you don't care about Northfield. You're, you're a long way from Northfield. Uh. <laughs> they, live, they don't care about Northfield. We, uh. Uh, what do we care about, the vastness? But you've got to remember, no, this, this is a message for us. He's speaking to us. Even though he's not necessarily addressing us directly, there is a lesson in this for us who live in Northfield. Our, 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 what was Lake Lake? Bill, I'm sorry, I didn't pay attention. What was the name of your city? Oh, Lake Forest. Lake, Lake Forest. Forest. Lake California. Forest. Okay, St. Louis. That's right. Or wherever we might be, maybe we're somebody's listening to us over in the Philippines right now in Australia. So don't just say, okay, that's for Damascus. No, you got to listen to what he's saying, because this is actually being applied to the people in Judah and also, therefore, for you and me. Yeah, no, that's a good point, and we, I think we talked about that a little bit last time, um, or, or maybe even like the last couple. Really, that there's all these different oracles, whether it's against you know Moab or against uh, Babylon or against Assyria, but what, what all these things are doing is they are providing, I mean, really, kind of specifically Judah, as you were saying, with a perspective on all the different world events. The, the point is that Judah would have their eyes open, that Judah would see, and, and as we saw, ultimately that Judah would repent, because we saw yeah. that Hezekiah even needed to repent along with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And so in order to repent, they need to have their eyes opened, they need to be changed, they need to have their perspective changed by, by God. And so here's God doing this. Look at all the disaster all around you. I am the one who's doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and even actually, even in the Hebrew, there there is no you know it doesn't say an oracle you know to Damascus or something like that. Like this is like a, a letter written to them or something like that. It just it just I mean r- literally anyway. It just says like oracle. I mean, it just says kind of Damascus Oracle. It's just a, it's just a compound, right? And and so, oh, cool. um, in that in that sense, it is just kind of like you know, like what you were just saying. It's just kind of a, about them has to has to do with them, um, but it's it's really like you were saying, it's to Judah. So, all right, well, let, let's go ahead. Thank you for that that helpful note on the title. We shouldn't skip over the titles; they're important. Uh, let's go ahead and read the first, uh, you know, few. Actual sentences, sentences here get a little bit into the meat, maybe just through verse 3. Behold, Damascus will cease to be a city and will become a heap of ruins. The cities of Aurer are deserted. They will be for flocks which will lie down and none will make them afraid. The fortress will disappear from Ephraim and the kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria will be like the glory of the children of Israel declares the Lord of hosts. All right. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you, you get, you know, very quickly you mentioned a couple different um, places, you know, in Syria around Damascus, but uh, it doesn't just stay there. All of a sudden you get mentioned, this is supposed to be the Damascus Oracle, right? And all of a sudden in verse three, right. Ephraim and Israel. So very quickly, it, it's, it's apparent this is not just a Damascus Oracle, is it? Right, right, 
Right. Uh, and, and, of course, it, it, when you know the history, that makes perfectly sense because uh, we know the Assyrians are a problem. Uh, and, and, and so the, the people between Israel and, and uh, the, the Assyrian Empire, the, this uh, Aram, uh, Syria, uh, this great city of Damascus, and, and, and they have called, the king of Damascus has called upon Israel to join him in an, uh, to be allies as, as the, this force has come in. And they've actually called for the, the uh, king of Judah to join them, uh, be allied with them. And, and the king of Judah has, has been reluctant to do this. And so maybe that's part of the reason we have this oracle. So you're, you're probably smart not to join it with these two people uh, because they think through their human resources and, and through the com- combination of their armies, because, of course, the more allies you have, the better off you are. But it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to save uh, uh, Damascus, and it's not going to save. Uh, when we get this whole phrase, it, like you said, we got to figure out this glory of the children of Israel. But as you, that's actually answered in the next verse. First of all, we say, no, that's not a good thing. No, no, the, the glory will depart, as it did. That 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 phrase comes from earlier when when the uh, ark was taken away from the uh, Israelites uh, by the Philistines, and again the phrase of glory of the Lord has left. So um, yeah, so that that's that's the practical thing here. That no, no, right. allying yourself with earthly people is not going to save you if God is the one who's going to judge you. Right, right. That's right. They are being treated together. This is their alliance. It's the it's the Ephraim Damascus alliance, and that's how it's being treated here. And and like you said, it really it really you know the question is raised. Okay, so hang on, it'll be like the glory of the children of Israel. So what's the glory of the children of Israel going to be like? And like you said, it's in verse four here. So let's go ahead and read those three verses, and that'll help us kind of put all the pieces together for this first part. And in that day, the glory of Jacob will be brought low, and the fat of his flesh will grow lean. And it shall be as when the reaper gathers standing grain, and his arm harvests the ears. And as when one gleans the ears of grain in the valley of Rephaim, gleanings will be left in it, as when an olive tree is beaten, two or three berries in the top of the highest bow, four or five on the branches of a fruit tree, declares the Lord God of Israel. All right, so yes, it's going to be like the glory of the children of Israel. And what's that glory going to be like? It's going to be brought low. It was going to be fat and good, and now it's going to grow lean and weak and very meager. It's going to be like just mere gleanings after a harvest. There's not going to be much left. And and yet in that, in that, and I'm going to go off in kind of a spiritualized interpretation of this, uh, mm-hmm. the two or three berries, uh, the four or five of the branches. Because uh, um, here's what I didn't notice when I was preparing this, AJ. So this just struck me as you were reading that. This is a declaration of the Lord God, but it's the Lord God of Israel. So this very people we've talked about that are going to be brought low, he still declares that he's their God, which I thought, Wait a second, that's kind of remarkable. You think that he would have just scratched them off at this point? After all, they didn't turn to him for help. They they sought allies amongst pagans and, and idol worshippers, and yet he still refers to himself as the Lord God of not Judah here, but but of Israel. And, and, and so here, here's my my spiritualized interpretation of this: hmm. We're all going to suffer defeat, AJ. Everybody's going to suffer defeat. Nobody's going to get out of that. It, it could be a, a sick child. Uh, it could be your own illness. Uh, of course, for all of us, it will ultimately be death. 
but but I think there's a hopeful thing in here that even when the seeming thing that would overwhelm us and wipe us out comes, if you'll only open your eyes, you'll see because the Lord is your God, there are still gleanings. There is still, well, remnant is the term that the Bible loves to use, isn't it? There's still mm-hmm. little items that show you you have not been totally abandoned or forsaken. Um, and for those who are listening who probably are, are having some struggles and trials, they're experiencing what Damascus experienced, uh, and maybe it feels like everything's been taken away. I, I would beg you to look around, and I bet you you can still see these little evidences of God's mercy and um, compassion, uh, and maybe friends that are there to help and support you, uh, although I think for me the chief thing would be his word and his sacrament. That, that you and I are sharing with people right now. I just think of those words from the supper that never change, no matter what struggles I've had in my life. It's always the same. This is my body, John, given for you. This is my blood, John, shed for you. And so I, that, that's that's how I'd like to run with that verse, that for those who are having yeah. their trouble, that no, no, that there's still the evidence of God's blessings upon you. Uh, even though, right. yeah, in this world, we're going to suffer some really... Terrible, terrible defeats because of not just our sin, but but the sin in the world around us. Don't don't you think there were probably some people in Israel who were actually were believers in the Lord? I suspect well, there was. Yeah, we, but see, they, we, they're going to yeah, suffer along with that which yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we don't even have to, you know, suspect. We were talking about how when you look at Second Chronicles, you know, Hezekiah after everything happens. I mean, in this age of peace, you know, that's you know, in many yeah. ways pointed yeah. to in in Isaiah in Isaiah nine, Isaiah eleven. Um, you know, we we see that Hezekiah is going to invite uh, the north to come on down and and to celebrate the Passover rightly as God's word prescribes. And some of those people from the north are going to, they're apparently going to have survived and they're going to come down and they're going to worship together the God of Israel there in Jerusalem. And so, yeah, there are, there are faithful. There are, there is, there is a remnant. And, and, and I think that, you know, this, this pattern, as, as you've said, and I appreciate it, how you've, uh, John, how you've connected it to not just them, but to us. It's the ongoing pattern, the law gospel pattern of, I, I mean, I mean, it's what's remarkable is just how these words are just they're both at the same time, how, you know, well, you're going to be reduced to a remnant. Well, that's 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 scary law, right? Like, well, we're going to be reduced yeah. to a remnant. Oh, yeah. There's going to be hardly anything left. Right. But on the other hand, well, there is going to be something left, you know. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, kind of, kind of this has made me a little bit like, you know, glass, uh, you know, half empty, half full a, a, a little bit. I mean, it really it really is. I mean, the, the thing is, though, I mean, I guess I don't want to like shortchange this and say like, oh, see, so this is really all this is all just really a good thing. You know, just if you just look at the pers- with this oh, no. right perspective. But I mean, it, it really yeah. is both. I mean, it, it's it's both mercy and calamity. Right. I mean, it is as we saw um, earlier, it, it is God sending the angel of death to destroy but that also saves like you, you just got to let it be both. Um, and when you're experiencing these things in life, you shouldn't be trying to say like, oh, see all this struggle. It's it's really God just purifying me like, like the fire in Isaiah or like, you know, that that hot coal in Isaiah six or, you know, like, uh, you know, pruning things back or, you know, cut it, cutting off the excess like here in Isaiah 17. It's really it's really not it's really not bad. I should I should just you know smile and grin and bear it. Right. No, no, no. Just allow it to be both. It's both. It's both evil and good at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's that 
classic passage that often gets quoted, the Lord disciplines those who, whom he loves. Yeah. And we have an illustration of that here. But but it occurred to me, it's still discipline. <laughs> and Paul right. still says, no one likes it when it's happening. No, it's not a good thing. It happens because we are sinful people in a sinful world. But but as we see in the next few verses, here's the remarkable thing. Yeah, God does take these things and works them together for good. But I really I really like what you said there, AJ, because there are there are theologians out there that would teach you, oh, you should just smile and be happy. I don't think so. Repentant, mm-hmm. maybe that probably is a good thing. But yeah, no, right. discipline is hard, and, and it's okay. It's okay to feel that burden, uh, the oracle, as yeah. it were. Uh, but but again, don't despair. Don't lose hope. Uh, remember yeah. that the Lord is still there, and look for these little remnants that He gives you, uh, and He assures you. And, and then we get this beautiful next couple verses. What will come out of this? Yeah. Right. Uh, and I appreciate your 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 gentle you know alley oop here to get me to do the segue. But if I can just dwell on what you're saying a little bit longer, you mentioned you mentioned discipline, and this is just you know a thought that I didn't really have a chance to develop from um, when we looked at Moab in sixteen. You, yeah. you know, like, like you were saying, you know, Paul says right when it's happening, no one likes the discipline, right? What, what's interesting is the one who really doesn't like the discipline is the loving parent that has to do it, you know, oh, and, and that yeah, was, and yeah. that's something, right. As a child, you never understand that. You never understand that, that when, no. when you're being disciplined, the the one who's really experiencing sorrow and heartache over all that is the, is the loving parent in, in all of this. They're the one who really doesn't like it, you know? And, and it's just, uh, it, it's just, you, you don't, you don't see that as, as a kid, you're like, well, I'm the one who's having to suffer right now. <laughs> like they don't have it so bad, but it, it's, you know, when, once you're finally in the parent side of things, you understand like, oh man, I just, I hate having to do that. Oh, you know, you know, and it's just, uh, you, you would just, you would just gladly reverse the roles, right? Um, it, yeah. it, it, so often in so many ways. And, and so that's what we saw in the oracle against Moab. We, we saw that, you know, as God is, you know, just unleashing this destruction, un- unleashing this lion against the remnant of Moab and just, you know, ending the the harvest and the summer fruit and all the rest of it, it says, I will drench you with my tears, you know? And, and like you think of just all the moments where God even unleashes just total and just unthinkable destruction, like, you know, Noah's flood, Right. I mean, like you got to imagine, like all those, all those raindrops is like tears from heaven, and it's God's sorrow that is actually being poured out in His wrath, and that when He's doing all of this, it, it is not at all what He wants to do, and in some sense, God is suffering with us as it's happening. You know what? And, and, and I would, I would affirm that, and not just in some. He is, He is. Isn't that the whole business of Christ on the cross? What is mm-hmm. that all about? That wasn't his suffering. That's our suffering that he's taken upon himself. That's what the scripture says. Right. Um, I have to share a thought with you, though, AJ. Wait, how many, you, how many kids you got, AJ? Two now. And what are their ages? We got three, almost three and a half, and uh, nine months. Okay. So you're going to be doing plenty of discipline in the next two years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, AJ. I have passed from parenting into grandparenting 
And it's a lot better gig because you don't have to do so much for the discipline. There's a little bit of it there, but not like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. So, depends on depends on how close uh, how how nearby the grandchildren are, I suppose. But um, <laughs> well, even when they're nearby, it's a different thing when you're a grandparent. Yeah, you can let right, a lot right. of things fly that you would never have done when you were a parent. Because you send right. them off is, at the end of the day. <laughs> well, no, no, that's, that's this is this is the, right. This is the struggle. But um, uh, that is yes. Thank thank you for that thought. I think we can go a little bit more into this. But then, as you were kind of gently leading no, us, no, we you should got go. Me started, though, I was well, but no, but we have to go into a break. I hate to interrupt. I hate to interrupt. We got to go into a break. But I'll get. I'll let you have. I'll let you have the first word. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll show the first word as soon as we get back. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're just hold hold on. We're looking at Isaiah 17. We're here with Pastor John Lekumsky on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash careers. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work? and intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 17 with our brother here, Pastor John Lekumsky, pastor from the southern Illinois region, but currently still one last time up in Minnesota uh, before it gets too cold. We're looking here at these first several verses, looking at this this whole remnant language here. Um, and, and we really, the, the one thing I, I want to still mention here is that, you know, he's talking about a remnant of Syria, which is interesting. But I said I'd give you the first word back. I interrupted. So what, what you were just talking about, we're talking about discipline, right? Well, 
But yeah, no, and we were talking about the, the difference between being a, a parent as you are and, and as a yeah, grandparent as I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing is, remember, God is not the grandparent, and I think that's what they we want from God. We want to be the grandparent, the guy who just gives us whatever we want and kind of leaves us alone. <laughs> see, grandparents can do that because ultimately we're not responsible for the kids. Mom and dad are responsible. The parents are responsible. And so I think it's interesting. We don't say uh, our our grandfather. We say our father. And so you're absolutely right, AJ. Yeah. I, I think that, that's interesting. all kinds of tears. But but he, yeah. he is responsible for us. We are his children. And, of course, in the discipline, uh, as we read on the text, that's what we learn. That's what we learn. We're not, he's not angry at us. He's not trying to destroy us. Uh, but uh, yeah, we in our sin we probably well I'm not probably we do, we do deserve his punishment. Thank God right. he also gives us his mercy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and that, that is very interesting to think about that. You know, um, you know when we're when we're praying, we we do not address Jesus as Father because no. I mean, among other reasons, that would make the Father and God of Jesus our grandfather, yeah. like you're saying. But I mean, we, we actually in in the scriptures. Are called brothers, adopted brothers yeah. of the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ, because God is our as our Father, and and yeah, that that's interesting. You know, I'm reminded of, you know, Luther. He has this phrase that I ponder sometimes when he says that you know God is not an apple God, and um, I you know I I once you know I, I once asked uh, some of the older people in my congregation what what they thought about that, and they were saying, well, I remember. Back in the day, when on Christmas we were excited when we got an apple and an orange in a brown paper bag, um, yep. <laughs> because like you know, get it, get it, getting a fruit that was like, well, that was like a treat, you know. I mean, that was like a, a nice thing, and so you, uh, yeah, that anyway, that idea that you know, God is there like a, like Grandpa to kind of just you know every once in a while, you know sit you on his lap and give you an apple or an orange and give you give you some treats you know like that but, yeah. but no he's he's our he's our parent yeah that's that's a good that's a great point but um yeah so uh, i wanted to make sure um I, to give you that that word when we got back um but i do want to make sure to invite also everybody listening here if you're in st louis and you're listening live you can call with any questions or comments about Isaiah chapter 17. If you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Or if you're in Lake Forest or what, what What was it that you said? North? Northfield. Northfield. Northfield, right? North, Northfield, yeah, yeah. Minnesota. We got lakes and fields. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes, lakes and, lakes and fields and forests. Um, you can call one 800 730 Two seven two seven. I mean, assuming you have good reception out in those lakes and forests and fields. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you know, maybe all you can do is get out an email on roaming data, right? And you can do uh, KFUO at KFUO.org. Um, so, so yeah, but the, the, that was the last thing I wanted to, to, to ask you about. Isn't it fascinating, though? I mean, like, how often, you, you, you mentioned it, talk, they talk about a remnant of Israel all the time, remnant of Israel, remnant of Israel, right. you know, the stump, the stump of Jesse, all this stuff. But this is a remnant of Syria. This is like a stump of Damascus, you know. And, um, and, and we saw the same thing with Moab and, and um, how th this is just so interesting that God is expressing, you know, sympathy and mercy even for these these pagan nations, he's refusing to totally destroy um, Moab and Damascus. 
Well, and, and see, that's the thing that the Jews just really couldn't grasp, could they? Even though, as you pointed out, it was clearly testified in their scriptures over and over again. Why do we need an Israel so that they might be a blessing to the nations? Uh, and, and how are they a blessing to the nations? By giving them the faith and the God of all creation. Uh, he is the God of Israel, but I, I appreciate what you're saying. He's also the God of Syria. He really wants those people to be saved as well. And, of course, in the New Testament, then it becomes explicit, go into all nations and make disciples. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that, that's that's well said. You know, it, it, God mercifully calls himself the Lord God of Israel here. But, I mean, he is actually Lord God of Syria, you know, and that's just like it's a, yeah. it's a profound thought for our day and age that, you know, he is— everybody's God, even if they don't acknowledge him. Um, but well, without, it, it, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you got me thinking. So we've got all these declarations <laughs> against people that are non-Israel, but, but, yeah. but that's, and, and we need to understand that. I, I mean, I understand as a, as a, as a government, we have to defend ourselves. Yet, but there are enemies out there. We have to fight wars, but man, it's really important for us as Christians to understand God wants to save all those people in present-day Syria. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. want them to be wiped out. He wants right. them to come to faith. No, that, 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 I mean, that, that, that is a very timely point. I mean, if, if God doesn't want to wipe anybody out, we should not be so so flippant as to just throw around talking about, you know, dropping nukes and carpet bombing, you know, uh, these Middle Eastern nations into a sea of glass. I mean, God doesn't even want to do that. So like, no, why do we? No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, no, that, that's, yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, you brought it up. It's you know, a good point of yours. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's go ahead here. Look at the back half of this. There's kind of like two more sections here. There's this, there's this middle bridge in verses seven through nine. And then you actually have the, the closing poetic portion of, of chapter 17. So let's look at these next few verses, at least repeating this in that day phrase in that day, man will look to his maker and his eyes will look on the Holy one of Israel He will not look to the altars, the work of his hands, and he will not look at what his own fingers have made, either the Asherim or the altars of incense. In that day, their strong cities will be like the deserted places of the wooded heights and the hilltops, which they deserted because of the children of Israel, and there will be desolation. So this this is an interesting bridge here, and I have to confess, the first time I looked at this, I was I I wasn't quite sure what to make of that phrase, especially in verse nine, which they deserted because of the children of Israel. Um, you know, because you're you're kind of thinking about Israel again, and you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, Israel was engaging in idolatry and all this other stuff. So what what's the connection? But I, I think what's going on is that God is actually very mercifully stretching his memory back a ways to when Israel was faithful and when Israel came into this land originally and forced everyone out of those high places and those wooded heights and hilltops and tore down those altars of incense and all the rest that, um, you know, this, this is God kind of looking at his people when they were at their best, um, even though right now they're, they're actually kind of at their worst. You know, it's interesting, AJ, because I say again, I had not caught that phrase as I was reading that. And, and you're right. What does that mean? Because of the children of Israel, uh, and, and and I agree with you. It, it could be referring to, and again, understanding 
that, that God didn't command that because he wanted to be mean to these other nations. God commanded it because he wanted his faith to be outstanding, to be distinguished mm-hmm. from the Asherim uh, mm-hmm. and, and the altars of incense. The people say, oh, my, what are we, what are we worshiping these Asherah poles? We're not getting anything on this, but look at the power of the God of Israel. And, and, and what right. a wonderful God he is. He's a God of compassion and mercy. Uh, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting phrase. Or, 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 but the other thought that came to me is he's saying that actually mm. all these other nations are going to be punished because you wouldn't be faithful. If you had been faithful, then I would not have mm. to do this to these other nations either. If you've done what I've given you to do. But you're right. It's a striking, a striking phrase, isn't it? Because of, uh, huh. of Israel. In, in, oh, well, see, that is interesting. It kind of depends on how you're kind of thinking of the logic here. Is it sort of like, you know, is it referring to what, what that day is going to be like um, because of the children of Israel? Or is it, um, you know, what that day is going to be like, you know, looking thinking of that desolation, which was because of the children of Israel, you know? This is this is like, a, I remember back in undergrad when I was like doing my linguistic stuff and um, you know, like you could say, you know, I saw the man with the binoculars and it's like, you know, do you mean that you oh, saw a guy yeah. holding binoculars or that you use binoculars <laughs> to see the guy? Right. I mean, it's like, well, exactly. uh, hmm. yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's no. And that's, that's always, you know, the helpful thing. I always tell people it's the useful thing about reading it with other people. It's that, um, you know, you, you're, you're probably going to spot one of those ways and the other person might spot the other and it just gives you more things to kind of think about. And, and maybe there's a truth. There's a truth in both of those. Uh, I, I, to me, though, the thing that I really like about these verses, and again, because it's not confusing, is in that day man will look to his maker and his eyes will look on the Holy mm-hmm. One of Israel. Uh, so that, that the end result of whatever's going on here, even even the failure of the Israelites, even the fact that they're not worshiping the true God, which would really solve everything. They would just do that. Everything would be fine. Uh, and yet at the end, that's what they'll do, because uh, it's the Lord who, who directs all this and even uses our failures so that in the end we'll be brought to faith. Um, and, and the other thing I did like about those first two verses is that, of course, you can't be worshiping the ashram and the altars of incense, but I like the qualification there. He will not look to the altars, the work of his hands. Because I, right. I hear us, uh, we, 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 uh, we don't worship any ashram. How many ashrams do you have in your house? How many altars of incense you got going on there? <laughs> oh, you know, we, we, got, we got the best ashram. Our ashram are huge. We got, we got the greatest ashram. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't. We're all putting our, our trust in the works of our hands. There's, there's not that's a right. That's right. No, it's true. It's so, true. No, yeah, that, yeah. That's right. Like, I, you know, it's, uh, it's like what Luther says. I mean, an, an idol is really a thing that's in the heart. It's not the thing of yeah. wood or stone that's in front of you. It's what you've got there in your thoughts and in your desires. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, right, you know, when Israel drives out and like, oh, okay, look, they're Ashram, right? You know, but really, are the Ashram really gone, right? Um, and, and that just yeah. that just brings us back to to your point that you know, would would Damascus and Moab and Edom and all the rest need to suffer this way if Israel, in a sense, was doing their job? You know, but to to your point, and I, I mean, I think that really is so profound. I mean, this last Sunday we had the reading from. 
Habakkuk, you know, which, um, you know, I mean, seems to be anticipating just round two of all of this, that, you know, because of the faithlessness of Jotham and Ahaz and um, even Hezekiah initially, you know, who ruled with his father Ahaz, right? Um, you know, that, that necessitated the, the Assyrians. The Assyrians were the instrument of discipline that had to come into the region for Israel's sake, um, but unfortunately took a lot of people with them. And then after Hezekiah, this, this seems to be when, he, when Habakkuk comes onto the stage, you know, you have Manasseh, who is just, I mean, you know, for all the, I guess, material good things he did, I mean, was just really bad. And you get this really bad description of Manasseh um, in, in, in Kings. And so, you know, because of that, what's Habakkuk say? Well, now the Babylonians have to come and discipline, right? I mean, like, that, that isn't, isn't that just an interesting thought that, like, everyone around us because this is this is really us right this is this isn't them being dense this is us we are we are the people of god here whenever we the people of god fail to be who we are when we when we fail to shine light and we when we when we fail to give salt and flavor when we fail to be who god has called us to be the people around us suffer um on account of our own failures yeah, and I agree with you completely, AJ. And that, that's that, that's the thing we have to remember. We really are responsible for the entire world. Uh, and, and, and yet the great comfort is not not by the works of our hands, <laughs> thank God for that, but the fact, but the fact that we have this beautiful, beautiful word that, that we're going to hear described in the negative as, as we move on in the text, but we have it here already, the maker, uh, the holy one, uh, the, uh, the God we all know, the God of compassion right. and mercy, but loving enough to die for you. Yeah. That's it's right. Well, yeah, yeah. And isn't that, I mean, like, yeah, isn't that just like really, I mean, that's the poetry there is just fantastic that, you know, it's when God takes all the stuff away, you look at not what you have made, but you look to your maker, right? I mean, that, that that's yeah. like the poetic yeah. oh, connection there between seven yeah. and eight, yeah. right? It, it's like we focus on what we have made and we focus on ourselves as makers when we have lots of material things around us right and and sometimes it's the only the only way we can just come to grips with this and, and realize hang on a second i'm i'm turning the universe upside down is when god takes that stuff away and we're like oh no wait i am the clay and he's the potter and, and you know what I, man he brought me back to the thought about the sadness it brings to god because after all god gave us all this stuff it was right. not the works of our hands. It was his gift. And so naturally, and, and as a father, you will do this. You will say to your, your children, I'm sorry, no longer can you have your phone or no more TV. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you, you will yeah. take things away. And, and yet those are the things you want them to have. You give them. But sometimes that's, that's right. what it takes for us to realize, no, this isn't us. This is what God gives us. And, and of course, the beautiful thing in the end is God returns these things, and they're even better than than what He had given us originally, because we understand them for what they truly are, uh, His gifts and His love. But yeah, it's yeah. hard. Hard when they're taken away. There's no doubt about that. Right. Yeah. And the, but but well said, right? I mean, hard harder still for the one who gave them to us to oh, begin yeah. with. You know, yeah. the the one who yeah. you know smiled and 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 shared in our joy when when we experienced the gifts that He gave. To us, and, and you know, and he has to reluctantly take them away because of what we've done. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Well, let, let's go ahead and read the last. You know, we are you know kind of towards the last maybe ten minutes or so here. So let's look at the last chunk here, 
And um, once we get have this read, we can kind of just look at the concluding uh, remarks here and maybe make some connections um, for the whole chapter. So we read through nine. So here's the, the poem picking back up again at verse 10. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Therefore, though you plant pleasant plants and sow the vine branch of a stranger, though you make them grow on the day that you plant them and make them blossom in the morning that you sow, yet the harvest will flee away in a day of grief and incurable pain. Ah, the thunder of many peoples. They thunder like the thundering of the sea. Ah, the roar of nations. They roar like the roaring of mighty waters. The nations roar like the roaring of many waters, but he will rebuke them and they will flee far away, chased like chaff on the mountains before the wind and whirling dust before the storm. At evening time, behold, terror. Before morning, they are no more. This is the portion of those who loot us and the lot of those who plunder us. You know, those those last two lines just uh, reminding me of, um, you know, our, our favorite name in the Old Testament. What was it? Was it Maharshalal Hashbaz, right? Um, you know, the, the, spo- the, spo- the spoil yeah, that speeds. That is my favorite name. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, you know, you're just like, why didn't I name any of my kids that? Right. I know. I know. Um, but, but, <laughs> but no, it's, um, no, but the, those words like for like plunder and loot. Um, there just it's kind of reminding me of that name again right that um, there is there is this idea that you know God is uh, punishing the punishers and 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 of course the striking thing about these last verses uh, is what we've already alluded to earlier notice the pronoun change we're not talking about Damascus anymore we're not talking about Israel anymore we're talking about you and Mm -hmm. also us you and us and so the problem is you've forgotten the God of your salvation. You've not remembered the rock of your refuge. Although, isn't it cool? He is the God of your salvation. He is the rock of your refuge. That's what he is. The problem isn't that he's changed. The problem is you have forgotten that. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. If you've got some struggles and trials, it's because you've forgotten. There is this God who is always there for you no matter what. Uh, that's the key. Don't focus on the things you've lost, but look for the remnant, as we said earlier. Look look for these reminders. No, he's still there. And and isn't that the beauty of these final verses? So what's going to happen in the end? All these people that are threatening you, they're all going to be taken care of. That's what's going to happen. Because of the works of your hands? No, probably not. Uh, And in fact, it'll be designed exactly that way so you realize it isn't the works of your hands. But it is the God of your salvation. It is the rock of your refuge. He is the one uh, that will deliver you. Um, right. Well, then, and that's and that's a good point that, you know, what, when it happens, it's going to be, uh, as you said, kind of designed in a way so that you're going to realize the, the, the cause here. Right. And, and the description is very yeah. striking because, you know, in, in 11, right, though you make them grow on the day you plant them, you, you make them blossom in the morning you sow. Right. It, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, this is kind of this like easy come, easy go kind of idea. Right. That, you know, it, it seems at first like, oh, it's just I mean, it's so prosperous. It's just like. You know, I was just munching on an apple one day out outside, and the next day I had an apple tree out there. I didn't even realize that the seeds fell. You know, it's just kind of everything I touch is just turning to gold, right? Um, but but then when when yeah, the rebuke yeah. 
outcomes, it, it, the 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 reversal is just as swift, right? That when, when at evening yeah. time, behold, terror before morning, they are no more. You know, it, it was this easy prosperity and the destruction will be just as swift. And, and the, the operative phrase is just what you said. Everything you touched turned to gold. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. right. And, and the Lord will so work if he realize, no, nothing you touched. Turned to gold. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> like, right. No, no, no yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't us. Yeah. It wasn't. It yeah, wasn't. It wasn't yeah. us. And, um, right. and 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 that's the thing. It's because and it's because as you were saying, we have forgotten. And in this way, man, this is like perfect. We, I mean, we just read Psalm twenty-five yesterday, and you know, so much of the theme of Psalm twenty-five is remembering. You know. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and and we saw that in Psalm 25 yesterday, you know, make me to know your paths, O Lord, teach me your uh, your ways and teach me your paths. You know, and, and there's this re- remember your mercy, remember not the sins of my youth, uh, remember me for the sake of your goodness, according to your steadfast love. There, There's this, you know, this idea that you see throughout Scripture that you want God to remember and you want him to remember graciously. Um, and, and it's it's we who have forgotten, and you need him to teach and to remind us. And, and, and isn't it neat, that word remembrance, when you work that through the Bible? Yeah. You know, you're right. We want him to remember us, and yet his explicit promise is he will not remember our sins, right? Right. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know your iniquities. And then, of course, the beautiful words of Jesus when he does the supper, do this in remembrance of me. And so you've got all that memory, uh, our memory, the forgetfulness of the sin, and the memory of Jesus. Um, and, and it's what you said earlier, A.J., that struck me. you got these passages, and at the one hand, they're terrible law, and yet at the other hand, they're this beautiful gospel. So here's the problem. You've forgotten the God. You, do not, you have not remembered, you know. So there's the law, and yet in that law... There is this beautiful promise. He is still the God of your salvation. He is still the rock of your refuge. The fact that yeah. you may have doubted or forgotten him, just remember him. <laughs> yeah. he He's still there, yeah. Well, I mean, isn't isn't that really just the key, though, that when you're looking out on all these different things, I, I mean, a lot of the difference, and we've said this before, is, is, the, is the perspective. And on the one hand, you can kind of see that as, you know, if you have the light of God's word, if you have, you know, the light, of his teaching that changes your perspective. And as you look out at, you know, the destruction all around you in Damascus and in Edom and in Moab and all the rest, right. You, you see that God's behind it is at work, as you were saying earlier, yeah. working all things together for good. So part one, that's kind of one kind of way of seeing this, that it's kind of, if you have the light then you can see the shapes, you can see the meaning, you can see the connections, but on the other hand, kind of thinking about it in terms of not light, but in terms of memory, it's like these different things that happen, they can seem really bad, right? But really, the actual, the real tragedy is that we forgot God. That's yeah. the really yeah. bad thing. And and, and yeah. the sad thing is that God would have to do these terrible things to like kind of, you know, shake us and wake us up and say, snap out of it. Remember what's going on. You're you're forgetting. And and isn't it isn't that actually the worst thing in the world that we could have this God of grace, of infinite grace and mercy, and that we somehow could possibly ever forget about him. Well, see, here's the thing. God has literally showered you and me with all kinds of blessings, but but God understands the problem with all those blessings is none of them are permanent. 
They're all temporary. They are by definition that way. There's no way you can change that, which is why then we need to remember the God of our salvation and the rock of our refuge, because that's the one thing that is always there. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the one constant, and it's the only constant we I wish to have more, but it's all we got, and we do have it, though. That's the great thing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like we were saying before, you know, like um, this whole idea of God kind of suffering with Damascus and Moab as he's punishing them. Uh, I mean, how how is that suffering possible? I mean, God's infinite, right? Well, it's because he became incarnate. He became man in the person of Jesus Christ. It's because of Christ that he suffers with us. It's because of Christ that, you know, you know, he was forgotten. You know, he was abandoned on the cross so that we would be remembered. Right. I mean, I mean, that, that's where it all is. It's yeah. you know, the only way that human memory could be fixed is that, you know, he became one of us. And so that Jesus would not forget, not forget God, not for a moment, not forget any of the names written down in the book of life, not that he would lose any who had been given to him. It's in Jesus that the whole concept of memory and God is actually put right. Go to that last verse. This is the portion of those who loot us and a lot of those who plunder us. And, and how easy Isaiah could have said those who loot you or those who plundered you. But, but no, that's the great us of Jesus. Uh, have we been looted? Yes. Have we been plundered? Yes. Was Jesus looted? Was Jesus plundered? Oh, even more so. But see, that's the us. We, we are all wrapped up with him and we will share in his sufferings. And we also share in all the glories and blessings he has. And I think it's just interesting that Isaiah there connects himself with the people of Judah. You know, uh, yeah. they, they, they need to hear, no, this is, this is Isaiah's word. This is God's word. This is our word. This is the us. Uh, here. Right. So, um, yeah, neat, neat, uh, neat chapter. You know, when I first looked yeah. at it, AJ, I was thinking, wow, <laughs> this is not, but there, there was some good stuff in this chapter, wasn't there? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, God for us on the end there. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a fitting conclusion. Yeah. But well, thank you so much, brother. And hey, I'm looking forward to uh, you being able to to be back down in warmer southern places here. And uh, next time having you on the show from uh, southern Illinois, or perhaps if you ever do want to make it across the river again. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll be in the studio the next time and you'll still be in California. I'll still. That's right. I won't be there, but you will be. Okay, sounds good. Until then, brother. Thanks again. (laughs) Blessings. Everybody, Pastor John Lukumski, a pastor currently up in Minnesota, enjoying the blessings of being a grandfather. We thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Check them out. They got a neat piece on Ghana and the Lutherans in Ghana celebrating 60 years in mission. Just some awesome work being done in Africa, the Lutheran Church in Africa just being blessed left and right by God, but so much tremendous need as well. Until next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.